it's just shooting. It's just it's just shooting. And the Badgers haven't shot well. When was the last time the Badgers shot well? I don't know. They're due. It's just shooting, folks. They just need to shoot better. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I picked a really, really bad time to take a vacation. Of course, it's always a good time to work on yourself and take some time off and relax. And, and I enjoyed that. I was down in Arizona for a couple of days. But, but think of all the things that have gone down since we last talked on Friday afternoon. So Aaron Jones is back. A bunch of Packers have restructured their deal or just straight up taken pay cuts. Green Bay's under the salary cap. It's amazing you take a little vacation and your team gets under the salary cap. That worked out pretty well. The Badgers got bounced in the Big Ten tournament by Iowa. They were awarded a nine seed on Selection Sunday. Illinois looks damn good. They won the Big Ten tournament, and that was really fun to watch, even though it stung a little bit because my Badgers were eliminated. The Big Ten tournament was fun to watch, and Illinois is... That's a really good team. I enjoy watching him. Drew Brees retired officially. Not a surprise, but still a really interesting topic and an interesting story. NFL free agency just went off. The Patriots are back. They spent like a gajillion dollars. The Bears have Andy Dalton now. Mitchell Trubisky this afternoon signed with the Bills. Uh, The Bucs made a trade. They got P.J. Tucker. And I guess earlier this week, even though it's not my thing, I guess the Bachelor finale happened. And that it helped make great strides in the fight for racial equality or something or other. I don't know. Is that is that it? I think that's everything. Is that a comprehensive list of everything that's happened since last Friday? Since we last talked? Well, we're not going to talk about all that. We're not going to talk about most of that today. But I'm very, very excited to be back. And we have a lot to cover. I've been looking forward to this moment. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. A huge thank you to Dave Carney. Uh, the morning show host here in Lacrosse on WKTY. Huge thank you for him for kind of stepping up and, and filling in uh, and, and taking care of the show while I was gone and pulling double duty. Five hours of live talk radio a day is uh, it's not easy, especially when you have to get up at one or two in the morning, which I'm pretty sure is when his alarm goes off. So big thank you to Dave for filling in. Um, and I am happy to be back. Uh, and we have a lot to talk about. I'm, I'm very excited. This is one of the busier sports weeks of the year. And it just happened to be the week that I was on vacation, and that's fine. I had some extra time to reflect and think about things, so the takes today, the opinions, and the conversations, they can be extra pointed because I've been able to stew and and think about them for the last three or four days while I was on a little family vacation uh, down in Arizona with my parents and my brother. I was able to see my grandma and spend a couple days in Phoenix, so I'm sunburned. I'm not really tan, uh, and I'm certainly ready to talk about some of these sports stories that have happened in the last year. If you want to get in and you want to be a part of these conversations today, more than welcome. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. Thomas has already done so. He wants to talk about the Badgers. They play tomorrow. Do they play tomorrow? Yes, Thomas. I believe you're correct. I have the bracket in front of me. I have the start times. Um, And we're going to talk more about the Badgers coming up at 430. So wait right there, Thomas. We'll get to your Badgers. I actually want to start with the Packers, and I want to start with Aaron Jones. He's back. On a four-year, $48 million deal. I was very wrong about this. And when this news broke on Sunday, I kind of went, ooh, yeah. I look very wrong. And I love it. I typically guard myself as a fan. I expect the worst. I prepare for the worst. I always tell you to do the same. So it's typically a good thing when I'm wrong. It's typically a positive when I'm wrong. This is great for Green Bay. This offense with Aaron Jones and this offense without Aaron Jones. Huge difference. 
he's a really, really tough player to replace, especially in an offseason like this when the Packers have no money. Nobody really has any money. And it takes a while to develop a prospect out of the draft to the point where they're as good as Aaron Jones at running and catching and pass protection and knowing the Packers' offense. We just talked about this last week when we read a story that Ty Dunn wrote about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You can't just step into this offense and be good from the jump because there's the Matt LaFleur playbook, but then there's also what Aaron Rodgers likes to do, adjusting and tweaking things at the line and and adjusting even mid-play. And Aaron Rodgers, as MVS said in this piece, and if you haven't read it, we talked about it last week, but I would suggest you just go read it. GoLongTD.com with Tyler Dunn. MVS said, oh, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he'll pull out an audible from 2018. And he'll call a play from the Mike McCarthy offense. It's a complicated offense, and the idea that the Packers were going to lose Aaron Jones and go into next year with, sure, Devontae Adams, and yeah, I hope MVS continues to to play better and Lazard too, but you were really lacking a dynamic playmaker if Aaron Jones leaves in free agency. Now, that's not the reality, and he's back with the Packers on a four-year, $48 million deal. However, of course, the, the contract's a little bit more complicated than the than the number would indicate when you judge it at, at face value. Now, we all know the story, and we've heard this a million times. You don't pay running backs big money. How many times have we... It's, it's ingrained into our brain from the analytics people and the football people on TV and on the radio. You don't pay big money to a running back, blah, 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 blah. And I... I agree. I think most people agree, actually. I don't think any fan base is cheering for their their franchise to extend a running back for six years, $90 million. That's the deal that Ezekiel Elliott got. Like, I don't think any fan base is like, yeah, running backs. Spend $100 million bucks on a running back. I, I think most fans believe, yeah, don't spend too much money on a running back. I agree with that. I don't think you should spend too much money on a running back. But like I just said, This offense is really different without Aaron Jones. He is dynamic. So as we break down this extension, Aaron Jones coming back to the Packers, I want to break it down in an unbiased way. And I've been preparing for this because for the last week when I've been on vacation, I'm trying to think, okay, what do fans always say when their team signs a running back? Think about the Christian McCaffrey deal or the Dalvin Cook deal, the Ezekiel Elliott deal or the Alvin Kamara deal. What did those fan bases say when those signings happened? Because all the experts say, don't pay a running back. But yet, teams do it anyways. And I'm trying to think, okay, well, what did Saints fans say when Alvin Kamara got the bag? Or what did Vikings fans say when Dalvin Cook got paid? Because I don't want to fall into those cliche arguments we hear every time this happens. I don't want to fall into these traps. I don't don't want to fall in line with these lines of thinking. So let's lop off a couple of these cliches right off the bat. Let's, Let's try to avoid these lines of thinking. A lot of fans will say things like, well, he's more than just a running back. He's a wide receiver, too. He catches the ball. Yeah, Aaron Jones does catch the ball quite a bit, and he is more than a running back. The thing is, so is McCaffrey, and so is Kamara, and so is Dalvin Cook. They catch the ball, too. Every superstar running back, by and large, catches the football. Kamara last year, 83 catches on 107 targets, 756 yards, five receiving touchdowns. Dalvin Cook last year, 44 catches on 54 targets, 360 receiving yards, and he only played 14 games. We missed a few. Christian McCaffrey, going back two years before he was injured in 2019, he had 116 catches on 142 total targets, over 1,000 yards, and four receiving touchdowns. So Packers fans, I I know that we like to think, well, Aaron Jones is a wide receiver too. Well, yeah, most superstar running backs are. Aaron Jones last year, by the way, for context, had 47 catches on 63 targets for 335 yards. Less than Kamara, 
less than Dalvin Cook, or actually pretty equal to Dalvin Cook, about the same, and much less than Christian McCaffrey in 2019. So if you're arguing that Aaron Jones is back and it's a great deal, don't use the more than a running back argument. Well, he's a wide receiver too. Well, all expensive running backs are, right? All these high-paid running backs catch the ball. Derrick Henry is the exception, right? The between the tackles, workhorse running back in 2020, 2021, they're the exception. Aaron Jones, a receiving back, is actually kind of the norm. So I want to avoid that argument when we're talking about this Aaron Jones extension. I also want to ignore the argument and avoid the argument of saying, well, he's such a big part of the offense. He does so much. This offense would be nothing without him. Yeah, but again, so is Kamara. Did you watch the Saints last year? There were games where literally the only offense came through Kamara. It was Drew Brees dropping back, check down to Alvin Kamara, hand off to Alvin Kamara. The Packers game is a great example. Packers fans, you should know. Alvin Kamara was their everything. He was their their only thing at times, especially when Michael Thomas was hurt. So to say Aaron Jones should be extended, he's so much their offense. Well, yeah, so is Kamara. And so is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook averaged over 22 carries per game. Basically, anytime the Vikings were in first or second down, Dalvin Cook was carrying the ball. He's also a huge part of his team's offense. Christian McCaffrey in 2019, you want to talk about a big part of the offense. Christian McCaffrey, before he got hurt, led the NFL in 2019 with 2,392 yards from scrimmage. The next closest player was Ezekiel Elliott with 1,777. That's a difference of 615 yards. That's like multiple games worth of a difference. So Aaron Jones is important to the Packers, and and he certainly is a big part of the offense, but so is Kamara, so is Cook, so is McCaffrey. So when we break down this Aaron Jones signing, I want to avoid those two arguments. I don't want to hear, well, he's a receiver too. So are all the other guys. And he's such a big part of the offense. Well, so are all these other guys. I like the Aaron Jones deal, but I'm going to explain why without using those typical cliche arguments. Reason number one, I really like this Aaron Jones deal, and this isn't necessarily the case with Kamara McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. I really like this deal because it's cheap. It's really cheap. And I know on its face, it's a four-year, $48 million deal, which is 12 per year, which is right up there with the highest paid running backs in the league. But it's more complicated than that. The cap hit in year one, this upcoming season, is $4.5 million, which is nothing. That's dirt cheap. And then next year in 2022, it's $9 million, which is also nothing in the grand scheme of things. Ezekiel Elliott's getting 13 a year. Derrick Henry getting 13 a year. Saquon Barkley, who's still on his rookie deal, is getting 10. Melvin Gordon is getting 8. Joe Mixon's getting 8. And I get, I get Aaron Jones at 9 per? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that next year. So $4.5 million this year, $9 million next year, and then his cap hit in 2023 becomes 19 and a quarter, which is huge. But I'd be shocked if it gets to that. This is your typical two years and we'll see type contract. Like, hey, let's play the first two years and then we'll see where we're at. Because his hit the year after of almost $20 million, the Packers aren't going to let it get there. They'll either cut him and this contract makes that a, a very reasonable option or they'll restructure and they'll spread that money out and they'll extend him. Right? This deal is dirt cheap over the next two years. And that's the number one reason I really, really like this deal. Cheaper than Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin Kamara or Derrick Henry or other or Dalvin Cook, these other premium backs that I'm referencing. I also like this deal because Aaron Jones fits perfectly in this offense. The Packers aren't just paying a star running back to pay him. I think that's what the Cowboys did with Zeke. I think that's what the Panthers did with McCaffrey. Dalvin Cook very much fits what the Kubiaks and the Zimmers want to do. So that's a pretty good fit. And I think Alvin Kamara fits in any offense. But but think of the Matt LaFleur scheme, 
right? He needs a little bit of running, a little bit of receiving. Aaron Jones can do both, and he's still improving. He's still getting better, getting better at route running, and his hands are getting better even, you know, five, six years into the league. Matt LaFleur likes to use multiple running backs, and Aaron Jones isn't a running back that needs 20-plus carries a game to be effective, whereas Derrick Henry needs the ball quite a bit. Aaron Jones, not so much. He fits really well. And Matt LaFleur has a scheme that you can run with run-of-the-mill players. That's what we saw McVay do in, in L.A. or Shanahan in San Fran. LaFleur's scheme is great with just about any players, but if you can have a couple dynamic players, whoo, it's even better. And then you're one game away from the Super Bowl, which is the case of Aaron Jones. He's a dynamic player who can create big plays where big plays weren't necessarily designed to exist. I like this deal because it's cheap, and I like this deal because Aaron Jones fits this offense perfectly. They're not just paying a running back because he's good and they feel like they need to pay him. I also like this deal because the Packers also have A.J. Dillon, which seems counterintuitive. It, it seems weird. Like, well, why would you pay Aaron Jones if you have A.J. Dillon? Or why would you draft A.J. Dillon if you were planning to re-sign Aaron Jones? I think when A.J. Dillon was drafted last spring, a lot of people thought, okay, the writing's on the wall. They're going to let a, you know Aaron Jones go. They're going to move on, and A.J. Dillon is the next in line. I look at this from a different angle, and I looked at it from this different angle last year. I remember when sports shut down, and we were talking about Jordan Love and Korean baseball and NASCAR, whatever weird stuff we talked about last spring. Right? I, I made this argument at the time, and I kind of put it on the back burner because it looked like Aaron Jones was going to leave. But we might have been right when we talked about this early last summer. I said, look, it might seem like the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon to replace Aaron Jones. But actually, I look at it a different way. I look at the Packers drafting A.J. Dillon because they're going to re-sign Aaron Jones. And if they're going to sink a bunch of money into Aaron Jones, if they're going to invest in Aaron Jones, they want to protect their investment. And that protection is A.J. Dillon. We're going to spend a bunch of money on Aaron Jones, relative, a bunch of money. We don't want to run him into the ground. We want to make sure he has some help. And we want to protect our investment. And I think that, in essence, is what they were doing with A.J. Dillon. If a team is investing in a running back, they should have a plan to protect that investment. The Vikings are a good example. The Vikings invested a bunch of money into Dalvin Cook. They have Alexander Madison. I think they should use him more. Use Alexander Madison to protect and to help out Dalvin Cook so he doesn't wear down. You just paid a bunch of money. Use Alexander Madison as, as a little bit of a cushion as a protection for your investment. And I think that's what the Packers are doing with A.J. Dillon. And I talked about that last spring, and we kind of forgot about it because it started to look like Aaron Jones was out the door. I thought he was gone. And I was certainly surprised on Sunday when I got the notification on my phone that he was coming back. I know, to, to kind of put a cap on this and to move on, I know there's hesitation to pay running backs, and that's been drilled into our head. You don't pay running backs. You don't pay running backs. And I agree. But I want to tell you, don't lose sleep over this. Don't worry about this, Packers fans. Aaron Jones is a great player who will help this team. He fits really well, and this deal is dirt cheap, at least for the next two years. And if the Packers want to move on in two years, they can. Or if they want to move money around by restructuring, they can do that as well. So enjoy this. Be happy about this. This is great news. A playmaker is coming back. Even if it doesn't fit the norm, even if it doesn't fit the logic that we're taught on TV and on the radio all the time, don't pay running backs. This is a cheap deal. He fits perfectly, and they have some cushion. They have some protection in A.J. Dillon. I think this works awesome, and it should be a real shot of enthusiasm during a Packers offseason where I think we're all a little bit we're all a little bit over it. Another NFC Championship loss. There's uncertainty at the quarterback position. This should be a, a cause for a little celebration. Enjoy it. Don't worry about it.
I want to keep talking about the Packers and what they've done so far this offseason and, and talk about this idea of whether or not the Packers are going all in. We hear that all the time, like to an annoying extent. And I'm going to explain to you why they are going all in, despite what most people say. Most people don't believe so. Let's talk about that. Continue to talk Packers and Badgers basketball coming up at 435. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Back after a couple of days off, my name is Grant Bills, and I picked a terrible time to take a vacation. So much has happened, but, I mean, we, we still talk about it. It's just a couple days after the fact. And it's it's a kind of silver lining, too, because I had a couple of days to think and reflect and really, really sharpen my takes, folks. This is going to be a polished show. Okay, some Wisco sports shows, they're kind of a beautiful mess where we're going all over the place and we're BSing about this and that and we're brainstorming and spitballing. Just during the show? Nuh-uh, not today. I have known what I am going to say today for like the last two or three days. I've been I've been ready. So we're talking about Aaron Jones. We're about to discuss the Packers a little bit more. Badgers basketball coming up in about 15 minutes too. And we'll talk March Madness and Big Ten Tournament. And I just, this feels great. It feels great to be back. 608-796-2558. A couple of texts. Brett says, more importantly, what are you drinking for the tournament? I had some PBR this weekend. Brett. Good. You're, that's, that's a solid choice, Brett. What am I drinking this weekend? Hmm. I don't know. What is there a specific springtime beer? I feel like we have we have Oktoberfest beers. We have dark beers for the winter. I, we kind of missed the boat on Guinness. That would have been yesterday. Although, you know, better late than never. Maybe Guinness. Maybe I'll get some Guinness this weekend, Brett. Or if any of you, there are much, you know, classier beer drinkers, I'm sure, out there than I. You know, if you have a, a special springtime beer that you really like, let me know, and maybe we can do a tasting or something this weekend. Monty says, welcome back, Grant. Dave did great. Yeah, thanks again to Dave for filling in the last couple of days. Dave Carney, who hosts the WKTY Morning Show. Julie says, DC did uh, did talk about the top eight Milwaukee Bucks of all time. Loved it. Yeah, I heard he was talking about that. And that's that's actually my kind of radio or my favorite kind of podcast where you just kind of go into stupid detail about something where it's like, we're going to talk about this one thing and we're going to spend an hour or two hours on it and really talk about every little detail. I enjoy that. We did a little bit of that last summer where we talked about old Packer games. It's like, hey, remember when the Packers played the Bears in 2014? Let's talk about that for an hour and hit every little detail. That's fun. Uh, And that's cool that uh, that Dave did all the research too. That's not easy. And I appreciate you chiming in. Uh, and texting in, and you can continue to do so, 608-796-2558, and on Twitter, at uh, Wisco Grant, if you want to join in that way. We're getting some beer recommendations, so we'll get to those coming up in about 10 minutes after our next break. We're talking Packers and why I think the Aaron Jones signing is is a good signing. It's cheap. Aaron Jones fits perfectly. They have A.J. Dillon to kind of help protect that investment, and Aaron Jones, too. I I love this deal for a lot of reasons, mostly because Aaron Jones is a really good player, a dynamic playmaker, and the Packers don't have a lot of dynamic playmakers, right? So so to lose one guy like that, uh, they would have been starting at square one. They'd still have Devontae Adams, but they would need to find another dynamic playmaker, and now they don't have to do that. And I give Russ Ball and Brian Gutekinds all the credit in the world. I think they've killed this offseason so far. And 
one moment really quickly, just to be fair. I don't think I'm an over-the-top Packer homer, right? I did nothing but yell about every dumb thing that they did in the NFC Championship game for like three weeks. I don't go out of my way to carry water for the Packers, do I? I hope not. And yet I've loved this offseason so far. I think they've killed it. I see a lot of Packers fans who are a little on edge and we're complaining and we're waiting for the moves. Like, what, are the Packers going to do anything? They're, they're making the moves. The moves have been made. They're doing it right now. They're retaining their own free agents. They're restructuring other deals to make it work. I think this offseason has been a success so far. I mean, think about what they've done already, right? They've restructured Preston Smith, not just pushing the money out, but Preston Smith actually took a pay reduction to stay in Green Bay, and he can earn some of it back through incentives, and I think that's great. I thought he was gone. I left him for dead, and I love the idea of a motivated Preston Smith coming back this season with a chance to make a couple extra million bucks if he plays well. And the Buccaneers showed us in the postseason that you need depth at edge rusher. You just can't have one guy. You just can't have Von Miller and that's it or Khalil Mack and that's it. You need a rotation of edge rushers, a stable of edge rushers. And they have Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary. That group is a lot more impressive with a motivated Preston Smith as opposed to just Zadarius and Rashawn Gary. So I love that they're retaining Preston Smith, which I didn't think I'd be saying a couple of weeks ago. They restructured Adrian Amos. They changed his roster bonus that was due this week into a signing bonus so it can be spaced out into the future. David Bakhtiari restructured his deal, which saves the Packers $8 million. Zedarius Smith saved the Packers $7 million. Devin Funches took a pay cut of almost a million bucks, which is substantial because he's making almost no money. (laughs) They non-tendered Tim Boyle. They lost Corey Lindsley to the Chargers. He followed Brian Bulaga. Jamal Williams is a Detroit Lion now, too, which just is odd and very anticlimactic, and Christian Kirksey's now in Houston. I think this offseason has been really, really good. And I see Packers fans, and I I listen to the Bill Michaels show, and I listen to morning shows like Ebo and Dave and Dan Casper and Eau Claire. And I I always hear Packer fans going, well, we're waiting for the move. We're waiting and seeing. We're we're holding our breath, seeing what Brian Gutekinds is going to do. They're doing it. Right? Like, like you're missing it. I think Packers fans are kind of missing the point. They went into this offseason— looking at a lot of their premium starters hitting free agency, Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Kevin King, and they have managed to maintain and keep the best of that group. They kept Bakhtiari. They kept Aaron Jones. We'll see about Kevin King. Our opinion has kind of changed on him in the last couple of months, right? I think this offseason has been a great success so far, and I think the Packers are going all in. I know this is another topic that always is taking place on sports radio. Yeah, I want the Packers to go all in, push their chips to the middle of the table. I think relative to this offseason and relative to the situation, the Packers are going all in. They're retaining all these guys. They're pushing money into the future to keep this team together, by and large, as much as they can. We all knew that they weren't going to be able to retain everyone, but they retained a good chunk, and they retained their best players. Now, the question remains— about Aaron Rodgers, when he will restructure or when they'll extend him, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to, and they shouldn't extend Aaron Rodgers. It wouldn't make sense for the Packers to extend him. They just drafted Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers is under contract for this year and one more. That's a lot of time to evaluate, and a lot could change in those two years. So the idea that they that they should extend Aaron Rodgers four or five years down the line to create cap space, no, I don't, I don't like that. That would be a huge contradiction to this past draft. Brian Gutekinds believes that Jordan Love is a beast. That, that he can be the quarterback, and he likes Josiah DeGuar and A.J. Dillon and all these pieces he selected for the future, 
I think it would be really dumb for a general manager to completely reverse course and change everything because his quarterback has one MVP season. Who knows? Next year, Aaron Rodgers could come back. He could be in steep decline and, and things could go south. Oh, well, now you have your, your next step. Now you have your future plan. And to completely throw that future plan that Brian Gutekunst believed in. He believed in Jordan Love enough to trade up and get him, knowing damn well that he would be criticized for an entire year and beyond. And he took him anyways, which tells me that Brian Gutekunst believes in him. And Brian Gutekunst knows more than I. And as much as it might bug me and it creates uncertainty and it certainly makes our lives as fans harder, okay, that's the plan. So don't go back on that plan by extending Aaron Rodgers. And I know Packers fans see Patrick Mahomes extending and and pushing money out and Tom Brady. Their situations are different. They're not going anywhere. Aaron Rodgers might be. I don't like that. I'm sure a lot of you don't like that, but that's the reality. And to ignore that reality is to just live in denial. I saw an article in Forbes today, and I saw Ebo had Rob Reichel, the the author on his show this morning. Rob Reichel seems to think that the Packers have turned Aaron Rodgers into a lame duck quarterback. He's got multiple years left on his deal. A lot can happen in multiple years. And in a year and a half, if Aaron Rodgers is still playing great and Brian Gutekind says, you know what? We got a Jimmy G situation. I don't want to let go Aaron Rodgers right now. I changed my mind. Oh, okay. Well, then in a year or two, you can do so, but you don't have to make that decision right now. The idea that he's a lame duck quarterback, I don't don't agree with that at all. And I'm sure you can find Rob Reichel's case. I'm sure he made it in a very compelling fashion this morning on Ebo's show. And those of you who listen to Ebo's show in Madison on The Zone, you can find that podcast and listen to his argument, but I don't. I don't buy it. You got multiple years left with Rodgers to feel this out. Don't extend him for the sake of extending him, because I think that's what they did in 2018. And looking back, I don't know if that was the right choice. They're going all in right now. They've retained everyone, by and large. We knew that they weren't going to keep 100% everybody, but they kept all their good players minus Corey Lindsley, pretty much. That's the Packers' version of keeping this team together and going all in to try to win with Aaron Rodgers right now. And I, I think they did a pretty good job. I want to change gears a little bit. I want to talk college basketball. I want to talk about the Badgers coming up next. The Big Ten Tournament. Uh, the Badgers losing to Iowa, which wasn't surprising. I, we've seen that game a million times this year. They almost did it. Wow, they came close, just like they've come close before. So I want to talk about the Badgers and start talking a little March Madness. Coming up next, my name Grant Bills. Back from vacation, and it feels so good. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Stock up and save on the toughest filters in the business during Wix Filters sale days at your local Auto Value Parts Store. Not only will you get the best deal of the season on our very best filters, but you'll also find deep discounts on oil, fluids, grease, batteries, and more. Upgrade your filters during Wix Filters sale days at your local Auto Value Parts Store. See store for official sale dates. Auto Value, we've got the parts, we've got the smarts. It's up to you to help Wisconsin beat Minnesota. The Badgers have faced off against the Gophers on the court. Now it's time for a real-life border battle. Join your fellow Wisconsinites who report everything from snowfall to raindrops as states duke it out in a nationwide competition to see who can recruit the most volunteer weather observers during the month of March. Last year, Minnesota took home the first-place trophy for weather volunteers. Wisconsin, they placed third. We can't let that happen again. Weather observers help the National Weather Service create more accurate weather reports for your area. All you have to do is visit co 
C-O-R-A-H-S dot O-R-G to sign up, attend a quick online training, and then you're ready to report the weather right from your own backyard. The more observers, the better and more accurate the forecast for Wisconsin. Get into the March Madness spirit and help America's dairy land top... Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I am happy to be back after a couple days off. I appreciate you hanging out. A lot to talk about today. We don't really have time to waste. Aaron Jones is back. We got to talk about March Madness and what the Badgers are doing. The Bucks made a trade, because why not? They played in a wildly entertaining game last night. It was an ugly game, and we're going to talk about that after 5 o'clock. So a lot to get to, and added to our rundown today was uh, spring spring beer. Brett in Eau Claire asked, what are, we, what are we drinking for March Madness this weekend? Because Brett and I got into it last week because I told him that I drink PBR and hams. And he was not, he wasn't satisfied with that. He didn't think that was a good, good selection of beers. So I'm asking you, because I don't know, I'm not a fancy beer drinker. You know, what kind of, what kind of beer goes well in the spring? We have some answers. Um, and of course, now I lost it. I know that uh, we got a couple of tweets. I got to look at those. Um... Hunter says Belgian whites, like Blue Moon Belgian whites. I always thought that was a winter beer. But then again, I know I know nothing. Maybe the bottle just looks wintry to me. I don't know. Uh, another text says the Liney's Lemon Haze IPA. Are those a summer? I don't know. They look like summer beers, but that's because there's a sunshine and a canoe on the can. I know nothing, but I will take your recommendations and I will... Uh, try out some of these beers this weekend because I need suggestions. I'm in a rut. been buying the same beer for a while and I need to shake it up. And I need a beer to no doubt buy too much of, drink too much of, and then probably never have again because that's typically how I go about my alcohol choices. March Madness starts this weekend. The first four is tonight. So I think Michigan State plays off the top of my head. I don't know the other teams. I'm not going to lie. I don't don't really care. Uh, We'll start tomorrow. The tournament starts early afternoon, late morning, and then we're off. For the next couple of days. And I'm excited for that, of of course. Got to get my bracket filled out. I know less this year than ever before because I've just watched less college basketball than ever before. But I will say, over the last week, I got really into it because I really enjoyed the Big Ten tournament. And the Badgers, not going to lie, they were kind of an interesting wrinkle in the Big Ten tournament. I enjoyed the tournament because Ohio State made a run and Michigan got upset, which... Michigan's really good, but sometimes that happens in college basketball, especially in single elimination formats, right? You have one injury or or one call or one bounce the ball and and you're out. That's why they call it March Madness. So Ohio State got hot in Illinois and Iowa were trading blows in a really entertaining game. And yeah, I suppose the Badgers were. suppose the Badgers were in there too. They got bounced in the quarterfinals by Iowa. So uh, contrary to what people say, it's hard to beat a team three times. The Hawkeyes proved that that's not necessarily the case. They beat the Badgers 62-57 to last week in the quarterfinal of the Big Ten tournament. And it's a game that we've seen 10 times this season, right? The Badgers were good enough to compete. They were good enough to hang in there. They were actually good enough to have a lead and a solid lead. But that's it. They weren't good enough to win, and they weren't good enough to close. Like the Illinois game. Like the the Michigan games, like the Iowa games in the regular season, they just they were there, they were close, but they just couldn't slam the door. They couldn't close. They couldn't take control. And like that Illinois game that we declared a must win, 
if Wisconsin wasn't good enough to win that game against Iowa, I'm sorry, it ain't it ain't happening. Because in that game, the game that the Badgers lost 62 to 57, Iowa scored only 62 points, which is very low. They shot 40% from the field, which is very low, and they hit two of their 20 three-point attempts, which is almost negligible. You never see a good offensive team like Iowa shoot that poorly. That's a game that the Badgers needed to win because if they play Iowa again or a team similar to Iowa at some point in the tournament, they will be lucky if an offensive squad like Iowa turns in a 60-point performance, 40% from the field, and what, 10%? 10% from three? That's a game you need to win. And the Badgers found a way to just let it go in the second half. They give up seven offensive rebounds in a matter of three minutes, eight second-chance points to go along with those. They turn the ball over seven times in the final eight minutes of the game, once again, executing poorly down the stretch. And once again, I have to listen to announcers just feign amazement at it. Because everybody knows in the world of college basketball that the Badgers start all seniors in their starting lineup. The average age is older than the starting age of the Chicago Bulls. They're an old team. Experience, experience, experience. So every time the Badgers blow it at the end, these announcers have to act surprised. It's like, well, you know, Marv, let's just say in in this example, the play-by-plays name is Marv. Well, you know, Marv, I got to say, I'm really surprised to see such a senior-laden team like Wisconsin not handle their business in the end of the game. Every week. Every week I've had to hear that. Some announces, well, Steve, I got to say, for a senior-laden lineup like Wisconsin, I thought they'd handle themselves better at the end of the game. In crunch time, I thought they would execute better, be more buttoned up. You know, the lineup is older than the lineup of the Chicago Bulls. Every, every week I have to hear that. And it's, it's almost getting funny at this point. Like, I'm, I'm taking notes while watching the game. Like, oh, there it is. There's the comment about the age and how they literally piss, well, not literally, but piss down their leg and, and throw away a game that they really should have won. Once again, Iowa shot terribly. They couldn't score. They couldn't hit threes. And yet the Badgers were just handled in the final couple of minutes. They could not execute. And they couldn't do the little things at the end of the game. The little things that a senior-laden team should be really, really good at. Now, none of what we saw against Iowa was a surprise. It was frustrating, but it's just a continuation of what we saw all year. Right? The Badgers, what are they, 17 and 12? Yeah, they're just a couple games over 500. They really don't have an impressive win. Loyola Chicago is an impressive win because that team's really good on defense, and I guess they beat Michigan State once last year, but that's about it. What we saw in the Big Ten tournament, it's frustrating, but it's not a shock. Right? This team is good. They're not great, and they have serious structural issues. They can't rebound. People are talking about whether or not Nate Reavers should even play in the tournament, which is wild, right? They can't rebound. They need to hit threes to win. They need to hit threes to simply compete, right? Like against Iowa, they shot the ball okay. They shot the ball really well against Penn State, and they still barely scraped it out by a point. They almost blew that game. They need to hit threes to win. They can't overcome it if they don't. They can't rebound. They're always turning the ball over, especially in crunch time. The Badgers shot 41% from three. Iowa shot 10%, and yet Iowa kind of comfortably cruised to a win at the end. This team has structural issues. So naturally, when the Badgers lost this game, it became a Greg Gard thing. Like, everybody wants to fire guard. Guard isn't the answer. This is a topic that I've, by and large, just kind of ignored and avoided throughout this season. But whatever. Going into the, the, the tournament, going into March Madness, let's talk about Greg Gard. It's, it's time. Fine. I will humor this conversation for the next five or six minutes on this show, on the Wisco Sports Show. Fine. 
if we're going to have a conversation about Greg Gard, because everybody seems to want to have a conversation about the silent assassin, I think we need to realize a couple of things. He's not perfect. Yeah, there are some issues with Gard. But the Badgers could certainly do a lot worse. And we also need to realize that college basketball is its an out-of-control sport. It's mayhem. It's madness. And sometimes the better team with the better players and the better coach lose. It happens. It happens all the time. Just because a team that's a favorite loses to a bad team in March, that doesn't mean the coach is a terrible coach or the players suck. That's college basketball. That's the nature of the sport. This isn't the NBA or the MLB or NHL where you're playing seven-game series and the better team always advances. There's variance. Like, oh, it wasn't our year. We didn't get the calls. We got into foul trouble. Uh, we didn't get the bounce of the ball. This happened. This happened. Like, we got a tough draw. It happens. Now, there are a few legit criticisms of guard. Some are valid and others, I, I don't, I think not so much. First, one criticism that I don't really think is valid is the recruiting thing and the in-state recruiting thing. Right, how they didn't get Tyler Harrow and they didn't get Jalen Johnson. First of all, this always gets brought up after losses. Like the the Badgers lose to South Dakota State in November, and everybody's like, "Well, they didn't get Tyler Harrow. They could have used him in that game." It's like, well, that, sure, they could have. Like the Bucks could also use Jimmy Butler. I suppose they could have traded for him three years ago, but it doesn't really it doesn't really make much sense to bring it up now. But we always want to bring up the recruiting thing after losses. Look, you always want to get in-state recruits. You always want to get your best players in your state. You don't want them leaving. But I think fans, sometimes erroneously, think that every in-state recruit is theirs to lose. And that's not the case. You're not going to get every great recruit in your state, even if the program is excellent. Even if the Badgers were a couple of wins better and they won national titles, you're still not going to get all of your in-state recruits. I remember interviewing last year, um, uh, a coach in the WEAC, an assistant coach, he's at UWL. And I asked him about recruiting. And I said, look, this pandemic, this, this has really got to be tough on recruiting. How are you still able to make a sales pitch and convince guys to come in and play? And I remember him stopping me. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Sales pitch, right? We're not giving a sales pitch to players. When I recruit players, when I meet with players, I'm talking to them to see if we're a good fit. Because I, th- I think we sometimes assume that every great player is a fit for every program. And that's not the case. Tyler Hero wasn't really a fit for Wisconsin. Jalen Johnson, I don't think, is going to turn out to be a fit for Wisconsin. That doesn't mean Wisconsin just should have got them because they were born and raised in Wisconsin. Right? They're looking for a certain type of player. And yeah, we'll take Tyler Hero. Great. We'll take Jalen Johnson. But it wasn't the best match. And that goes both ways. Players are looking for universities to fit their plan and their mold. And universities are doing the same. I think sometimes we have this impression that coaches are going into the homes of recruits and begging on their hands and knees. It's like, well, no, a lot of times it's just a conversation between a coach and a player to figure out if things are a good fit, right? And and I think I got a little bit of that perspective when I was talking to certain college coaches last year and they, and they went a good ways to clarify that. And I think we would be smart to remember that when talking about Tyler Hero and Jalen Johnson and other great in-state recruits, the Housers, players like that. You're going to get a lot of good players, but you're not going to get them all because all players are different and they're not all a fit. Now, I do have a few criticisms of Greg Gard, which I believe to be valid most of the time, unlike the recruiting thing, which I think is it's just a, a red herring. Am I using that correctly? First, an issue that I have with Greg Gard in the scope of this season, this season alone, I was really frustrated this year by, by the way that the Badgers always let defenses off the hook, right? I know they like to go slow and take their time. But they waste 10 seconds of the shot clock dribbling and doing handoffs and big orbital sweeping motions along the top of the key. And those 10 seconds at the start of the shot clock, you're not putting pressure on the defense. You're not forcing players to 
commit one way or another, to commit a foul or to get out of the way, you essentially allow defenses to relax. I think we saw this big in the Iowa games, right? Iowa's not a good defensive team, and I don't think Wisconsin went out of their way to pressure Iowa, and especially Luka Garza, and try to get him in foul trouble. Illinois attacked Luka Garza, and they made him play defense. They made him commit to either fouling or giving up buckets. The Badgers never did that. It was the same in the Illinois game with Io DeSumo when he was out. The Badgers did this BS where they're running around the perimeter and they're not pressuring the interior of the defense. Kofi Coburn is really good. But college basketball, you get five fouls. And if you drive on Coburn and you can go to the line twice on him in the first half, that game changes significantly. And Badgers fans, we should know that because we watched a team around Ethan Happ. When Ethan Happ got into foul trouble, everything changed. And Greg Gard and this team never forced the issue, especially against Iowa and especially against Illinois. That's a bone that I have to pick with Greg Gard in 2020. 2021. Now, another bone I have to pick with Greg Gard, and this is more big picture. This is this is over the last couple of years. This goes all the way back to 2016 and 2017 in the tournament. This team sometimes pees down their leg in crunch time. They lose close games that they shouldn't. Remember in 2016, they beat Pittsburgh, then they beat Xavier, which is the game that just shocked Bill Murray, which is really funny. And then they lost to Florida by one after Zach Showalter hit that bucket. And then they let Florida go the length of the floor and hit a game winner like it was nothing. It's like, wait a minute, what are you doing? You executed terribly and you lost a game that you probably shouldn't have. Right the year before that, or excuse me, I I got these flipped around. In 2016, it was Notre Dame. They had the lead, they had the ball, and Nigel Hayes is fumbling it away and they're losing at the buzzer. And then in 2017, they lose to Florida at the buzzer. It's like, what do you, you should be winning these games. They should have been in the Elite Eight in 2017 and 2016, and they they couldn't execute. And then this year in the regular season, they couldn't execute. And y- you look back and you think, okay, well, they beat Nova in 2017 to get to the Sweet 16, and they beat Xavier in 2016 to, to make the Elite Eight. Both of those games were decided by Bronson Koenig because he was great in crunch time. Bronson Koenig made up for so many blemishes in late-game execution those years, and I don't know if we ever really recognized that. They blew it against Notre Dame. They had a great chance to win that Florida game, and they let it get away. Late game execution, they haven't always been great under Greg Gard. And we saw that a little bit this season, despite them starting and finishing with four or five seniors. That's an issue. And that, to me, is a much bigger issue than losing out on Tyler Hero or Jalen Johnson. That's a specific criticism that I think deserves a lot more attention than whether or not you can you know, keep Tyler Hero, who now is starting or, or playing really well for the Miami Heat. It's hard to argue with the path that Tyler Hero took. But late-game execution and the way that defenses kind of had to relax against the Badgers, I want to focus more on that. I want to talk more about that. Let's talk more about the Badgers coming up. Uh, We're going to get more into the Packers and even into the Bucks after 5 o'clock. So much to talk about tonight, so let's not waste any time. Let's take a break and get right back to it. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show rolling on my name is grant bills appreciate you hanging out i'm on twitter at wisco grant the talking text line 608-796-2558 if you'd like to be part of the show send me a text big dumpling big dumpling said the bucks will regret the pj tucker trade should have been aldridge fish and ketchup tonight with vinegar dip that sounds really good i'm really hungry i didn't bring enough food to work today one part of that text i really like lamarcus aldridge is washed 
Washed, I say. No, we're going to talk more about the P.J. Tucker trade here in about, I don't know, eight, nine minutes. Coming up in a few. I want to talk a little bit about last night's game. Get to your texts, your tweets as well on the Bucks. I I barely caught the end of the Bucks game last night. Like, barely. I was on a plane all day. And I want to share a little bit of a story. I had a little bit of a meltdown on my plane yesterday. And I like I really had no reason to. Like I didn't have to sit next to anybody because Delta's doing this thing where they, you know, they spread you out. You don't have to sit next to someone unless you're family. So all these families were sitting next to each other in the middle row of the plane. But I'm on the edge. I'm sitting by myself. Just got my book. I got my headphones. I got a bag of pretzels. Like I'm, I'm content. But I had a little bit, bit of an issue. So <laughs> I had coffee before I got on the plane which was a huge mistake. I thought I had a Starbucks gift card. And I'm like, all right, I'll have a little coffee. It won't be a big deal, right? But then I'm getting on the plane and I'm like, I already have to pee, which for most people is not a big deal. There's a plane bathroom. You can go in the airport when you land. But here's my problem. This is a problem every time I travel or I go to sporting events. I have an unbelievably shy bladder. Like it's tough. It is a battle. I need a nice, quiet, serene environment. I like doing my business in comfort. And you know what? I won't apologize for it. I don't like, you go to the old Metrodome, you go to Lambo, and they just have a hole in the ground where you're all just supposed to line up like cattle. You're supposed to do your business. No, I refuse. Okay. I need peace and quiet. I need my own, I need a serene environment. Okay. So plain bathrooms are a little problematic because it kind of sounds like you're peeing inside a jet engine because kind of technically you are. So I'm 20 minutes into this flight knowing that I'm not going to make it to Minneapolis from Phoenix. I'm like, I already have to go. I need to do something. At this point in the flight, I am faced with two options. I can either try to ride it out and make it all the way to MSP, and then I would just go when I land. Because by that point, I'm going to have to go so bad, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be able to, to relieve myself. But I was not at that point on the plane. It was just very uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable to the point where I could actually relieve myself because, once again, the bathroom's too loud. It's, it's not a relaxing environment. I can't do my business there. So I called an audible, and this is what I did. I started just hammering water. I drank the little bottle that they got, gave me on the plane, and then I, I had this big bottle. Why? I don't know. I felt like I needed to buy it for $30 at the airport because what am I going to die of dehydration on the plane? I needed to have some water. So I start pounding water. So I get to the point where I have to pee so bad in my seat that I'm almost peeing my pants. I'm like, okay, at this point, let's go. Like, you have to go so bad. Like, it'll happen. So I go to the plane bathroom. It's like, it sounds like I'm inside a jet engine, but I had my headphones on, and I got it done. I did my business. And I'm not going to lie. I was happier in that moment than I have been in a long time. I stepped out of that plane bathroom feeling like a new man, like I had conquered a demon, which I hadn't really. I almost peed my pants in the process, so I don't really know how big of a deal it was. But it was a big moment for me. It was a big moment. So I I wanted to share that on the show today. Just, you know, come a little closer. Thought you might find that interesting. And I landed in Minneapolis last night around 7, and then I realized the Bucks made a trade because I was, I was off the grid. There was no Wi-Fi on the plane. Well, they have Wi-Fi, but they only let you use it to text. Like, if you want to go on Twitter, it's like $1,000 an hour. So I was just texting. I, had to, I wouldn't have known that the Bucks made a trade until I landed, got off the plane, get to my terminal, I'm like, perfect. I'm going to sit down, wait for my connecting flight, and I'll be able to watch the second half of Buck Sixers. And while doing so, I'm going to be able to catch myself up on the, the P.J. Tucker trade. Let me tell you what, okay? If you're flying out of Minneapolis-St. Paul, something you need to know. There's two terminals, and they are not the same. I have only flown out of Terminal 2 because in the past, I fly southwest. When flying out of the cities, it's the only plane I've ever used. I guess I've used Spirit 2 
but I think Spirit flies out of Terminal 2 as well. So, this is like, I've flown out of Terminal 2. Small, convenient, easy to navigate. Let me tell you what. Terminal 1 does not mess around. When they built that terminal, they were not, they did not come to play. I think I walked close to a mile with a bag of chicken nuggets in my hand like an idiot. I broke a sweat by the time I got to my chair at my gate. I passed like 40 gates and there was a tram along the side and it's like, hey, take this tram to Terminal B. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not 80 years old. I can walk. Thank you very much. Okay, 40 minutes later, all I want to do is eat my chicken nuggets. So by the time I got to my terminal last night, the fourth quarter had started, which is actually fine. I probably didn't need to see the first three quarters. I want to talk about uh, last night's game and then the P.J. Tucker deal. Now you know that the battle I fought yesterday to get back to the airport in lacrosse. Quick thoughts on last night's game. The game was very good. The Bucks won in overtime, 109-105. And if you like 90s NBA or 80s NBA, your old school basketball fan, last night was for you. Because this game headed to overtime, tied at 93. <laughs> I remember at some point there was there was like six minutes left in this game and it was tied at like 90. And I'm like, oh man, like what a great game strapping. And then like six minutes went by and nobody had scored. The game was tied at 93 going into overtime, which is a really, really low scoring game, which was kind of a theme around the NBA last night. There were a couple other games like this. And there was a lot of old school defense, but it was also a lot of bad offense, which was also a trademark of the 80s and the 90s, for those of you who remember that era fondly. Both teams shot under 40% from the field, right? Tobias Harris, the Sixers shot creator without Joel Embiid in the lineup. He was bad. He had 19, but he needed 23 shots to get it. Giannis was bad in the first half. He had four points on four shot attempts, and Ben Simmons was playing great defense, right? Ben Simmons also finished with 13 points on 16 shots. Five of those points came in garbage time at the end of overtime. He had a free layup and then a three-pointer at the buzzer that didn't end up mattering. The Sixers also in this game led by 19 at one point, and they still found a way to lose. Felt like I was watching Wisconsin. I think the Badgers were up. What was their lead over Iowa? Were they up nine? No, their largest lead was eight. So you talk about blowing leads. Sixers blew a 19-point lead. Joel Embiid missed this game, which is a huge bummer. And I, I talked about this with Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room, a couple of weeks ago when he joined us as a guest. He pointed to Brooke Lopez and Brooke Lopez's importance in a series against the Sixers, right? Because the Sixers present the problem of Joel Embiid. And you can, you can run Giannis at the five, even to close the game against the Sixers, but you need Brooke Lopez to be able to defend some of the time against Joel Embiid. Giannis just can't, he can't do that for four full quarters. So this game was supposed to be a showcase in the utility of Brooke Lopez, and this game would have been a really good measuring stick. A lot of people think that Philadelphia is like Brooklyn good. Like the Eastern Conference is Philly and Brooklyn and then everybody else. No, I think it's Brooklyn and then everybody else. And Philly's on the same plane as Milwaukee. And last night's it's a tough game to judge where these two teams are because Joel Embiid, who's an MVP candidate, didn't play. But this game still can be useful for the Bucks, right? Getting practice and crunch time minutes. They really needed it last night. I don't know what Don... I think Dante was drunk. Dante hit a couple of three. Dante played well for a majority of the game. Shot four of nine from three, and he had 20 points, and he made some big plays. But at the end, this man turned into a potato to the point where Bud put in Pat Connaughton in overtime. He's like, Dante, get off the floor. What are you doing? Right? He left Kirkmont's wide open because he's going for a steal. I don't know why at the end of regulation, because best case scenario, he tips that ball out of bounds, and then the Sixers get to inbound it again, and no time goes off the clock. So I don't, going for that steal makes a negative amount of sense. 
And then Dante committed a dumb foul coming around a screen. Like, he just, he played poorly in, in crunch time. And the Bucks were able to overcome it, mostly because Giannis was fantastic. He had nine points in the fourth quarter, 10 points in overtime, and he got those points doing all sorts of different things. Right? Our friend Bart Winkler on Twitter, at WinksThinks, tweeted this last night. Giannis closed the game with seven straight points. One shot at the rim. One was a three-pointer. One was a step back in the paint. Right? He was getting buckets all sorts of ways. He was really impressive in closing minutes last night. And then Giannis ended up sitting down on the floor, which I guess is, like, super offensive. I guess everybody hated that. Which kind of makes me laugh, because two years ago when the Bucks played the Sixers in the spring, Giannis dunked on Ben Simmons and then proceeded to scream, he's a... I almost said it. He's an effing baby. And we're all like, yeah. And then Giannis sat on the floor and we're like, oh my God, the horror. Their, ki- their kid's watching. I don't, I don't get basketball fans sometimes. I thought that to be very weird. Giannis doing a really good job closing last night. And Giannis right now is probably playing as good as a player can play without being in the MVP conversation. Right? And his, his circumstances are a little unique because he just won two MVPs, but he is playing fantastic basketball now about the pj tucker deal this is the well i don't have the tweet i don't have the adrian warjanowski tweet in front of me essentially what happens was the bucks got a first rounder back that they had previously dealt to houston and then they swapped picks so they're getting pj tucker and rodion's kuruks it's from latvia And all they really have to do is give Houston their first round pick, and then they take Houston's second round pick. Houston's really bad, and Milwaukee's really good, so those picks are going to be really close anyways. They lose DJ Augustine and DJ Wilson. Thank God they traded DJ Wilson. They were never playing him anyways. Right? Like, I love this trade. I love it. They don't really lose a pick. They just moved back a little bit, and they didn't have to give up Dante. And two weeks ago, a lot of people were like, oh, deal Dante for P.J. Tucker, which, no, I I wouldn't have done. You get to keep Dante and get P.J. Tucker and offload some players who were playing really poorly anyways? Great. Torrey Craig somehow also ended up in Phoenix for cash considerations. Now, I don't think P.J. Tucker fills a dire need. It's not like the Bucks need a backup point guard and P.J. Tucker fills that need. No, he, he's more a player that you kind of want no matter what. And I think as important as is getting P.J. Tucker is making sure that Philly or Brooklyn or Boston, although Boston's not any good, it's important that those teams didn't end up with P.J. Tucker because P.J. Tucker is a tough defender who could actually, you know, be a, a versatile, valuable asset, especially when it comes time to defend Giannis. And there are very few players that can do that. Right? He allows them more flexibility when they're switching. P.J. Tucker can switch at the four and five with Giannis. D.J. Augustine, the player they lost, is probably the least versatile defender that they had he's a great communicator which I think the Bucks need we saw that in crunch time last night and he's a winning player I think of the 2019 Raptors the 2019 Raptors beat the Bucks with a bunch of PJ Tucker type players I don't think you can have enough guys like this on your team and I don't know if the Bucks have had guys like this on their team in the last few years hopefully this means different things for them in the postseason this year as compared to the last two Rodian's Kuruks yeah. Do you know how much time I spent today making sure I had that pronunciation down? Player that they're getting in return from, from Houston. From Latvia. He's drafted by Brooklyn originally. Rodians Kuruks. They're losing DJ Wilson and DJ Augustine, which I will not lose an ounce of sleep over. In fact, I'll probably get more sleep knowing that those two are no longer <laughs> no longer on the Bucks. I was hopeful for DJ Wilson once upon a time, but then I wised up and I got myself out of denial and 
and finally realized what was going on. Let's take a break. We can wrap up some concluding thoughts, some talks, and some texts on the talk and text line, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Final 10 minutes, as always, is kind of wide open. I do have a message for Badgers fans, but I have plenty of room for your thoughts as well, so send me a text or a tweet, and we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up in three minutes.